Amen. Didn't he get to be here this morning? Now, I've got to tell Lawrence one thing, though, that uh, I could do that, what you did. Just, they just don't want me to do it. That's the problem. So, that was very good. Enjoyed both of them. This is Thanksgiving week, of course. I guess you're familiar with that. And, you know, I got thinking last week that I think we don't, sometimes we don't have the proper perspective, I guess you could say, on Thanksgiving. We've missed it somehow of what it started out to be. If you will, get your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, but then also look up 1 Thessalonians five eighteen. That's Ephesians five nineteen and 20, and 1 Thessalonians five eighteen, which is just a couple pages over. In fact, uh, just, uh, let's see here, mine's on page uh, 1825, so just turn there. <clears throat> a proper perspective on Thanksgiving. Let's read those two verses together in Ephesians first. Would you stand with me? We honor God's Word reading together. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then if you will flip over just a little bit, uh, just a few pages to 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. And we read these words. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's go to the Lord. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time we've gathered together, and we thank you for this week that we're about to celebrate, this Thanksgiving week, and Lord, this ought to be a special holiday for every Christian. But Lord, we just ask that you would just open our hearts and our minds to that we will really see what Thanksgiving should and will be about, if we'll allow it to. Well, we know there's a lot of commercialism going on and a lot of things, television commercials and everything else, Black Friday getting ready, but Lord, on Thursday, let us just set aside a time when we can get together with family and loved ones and just be thankful for what God's given us. Because, Lord, when we start looking at our blessings, we see we've got so many we can't even imagine how we got them all. Go with us this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The following proclamation was made by Governor Bradford in 1623, three years after the, uh, the pilgrims settled at Plymouth. Here's the words that he wrote. To all ye pilgrims, inasmuch as the great Father has given us this year of, ab of abundant harvest and Indian corn, wheat, peas, squash, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, inasmuch as he has protected us from the raids of our savages, has spared us from the pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with your wives and your little ones, do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November 29th of the year of our Lord, 1623. And the year and the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye Plymouth Rock, 
there is to, to there to listen to ye pastor and render thanksgiving to Almighty God for all of his blessings. That's how our pilgrims first started off. It was a blessing to God. That's what they were sitting there for. That's what they were doing is to come together to give thanks and blessings to God. Now, remember, it was not an easy time in those days. I mean, it was a difficult time being in that group of pilgrims that came over. This Thursday is Thanksgiving, as you very well know. One day in which we, like those early pilgrims, hopefully set aside time of our busy schedules to give thanks to God for the blessings that each of us have. You say, well, I don't feel very blessed. Well, you're breathing, that's a blessing. You're here, that's another blessing. If we sit down and think about it, we've got a lot of blessings that we don't even look at too often. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, tells Christians to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. As I was reading that, I thought, do we do that? Not very often. Oh, we may say something to each other, but we, we really don't do that. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for the, uh, God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 8 through 18. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, as I was reading that this past week, I noticed something that just stood out of my mind. Probably the number one question had been asked over the years in my ministry. Uh, young people, different ones will ask, how do I know God's will for my life? Did you notice it just said God's will for your life right there? Look at those verses again. First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You don't have to seek God's will. It's right there in the Bible in black and white. You don't have to wonder what it is. He tells us what it is. In fact, if you go up and read that verse uh, 5, 20, uh, Ephesians 5, 19 and 20, the same thing is said. Speak to one another with praises, with uh, psalms, with hymns, with spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I say, do we have the right perspective on what we call this Thanksgiving? Do we really understand what God is wanting us to do in this day of Thanksgiving this week? Sure, we know how to get together. We know how to have the family gatherings, all the food, all the fixings, all the pies, all the things we shouldn't eat. But we do. We've come together for that, and it's a, it's a big time and a great time. But do we stop and think what this day is really all about? It's called Thanksgiving. Paul writes about this event. Paul's main subject here is praise and thanksgiving. Notice the other important words that are also in that phrase that we just read. He says, always, 
continually in all circumstances. It sounds as if Paul is talking to a church this morning, like this morning, a church service. Paul could be here saying these words. It would be the same words that he would use. Especially in Ephesians when he says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart. Do we make music in our heart thanking God? But he's not speaking to a church. He's talking about a continual attitude for Christians and an attitude of the heart more than anything else. Not about what we do, but the attitude we do things in. He says we ought to have a thanksgiving attitude every day of the year. We ought to be thankful for the little things in our lives. We ought to be thankful for what we have instead of dwelling on what we don't have. But now you may wonder, can we have this attitude continually, especially in all these circumstances he just said? Can you have these attitudes when you're going through a trial in your life? Can you have these attitudes when you have sickness in your life or family? Can you have these attitudes of thanksgiving when one of your loved ones passes away? And the answer, according to Paul, is absolutely. Because it's not of the circumstances. He says, while you're in the circumstances. One young lady wrote home from college. She said, Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written you sooner. My arm really has been broken. I broke it and my left leg when I jumped off from the second story of my dormitory. When we had a fire, we were lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was so long, it was taking so long to get out of the dormitory to, uh, to get it back to livable state, I moved in with him. He has been so nice, I must admit that now I'm pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine. I will write you when I get the chance. Love, your daughter, Susie. Then she adds, P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and I flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to receive this news in proper perspective. <laughs> that would be per a per new perspective, undoubtedly. <laughs> to be thankful in all circumstances, we need a proper perspective. We need to know what it is. A proper, proper perspective of our, of our circumstances and of our God. Only then we'll be able to give thanks to the Lord Always. When we get the proper perspective of what Thanksgiving really means to each one of us, then we'll be able to, in our circumstances, be thankful for each one. Now, I believe there are at least three attitudes that still our gratitude. These things we have no one to thank but ourselves for. Number one. One is our pride. 
our pride. This is the attitude that says, nobody ever gave me anything. I worked hard for everything I have. For years you've studied hard and now it's finally paying off. When this kind of attitude, with this kind of attitude, we feel that we have no one to think but ourselves. But a lot of us have that attitude, don't we? I've worked hard for what I got. I spent hours in school, college perhaps, whatever it may be, getting the education, and I've worked hard for it. No, you didn't. God gave you the ability to do every one of those. But I've been successful in life. Look at the business I've built. Look at the life I've got. No, you didn't. God gave you everything you have, regardless of what it is. Another attitude that keeps us from being thankful is a critical spirit or constant complaining. And yes, by the way, we do have those in the Baptist church. It's not just the Methodists. It's the Baptist too, or whichever. A critical spirit, constant complaining. Instead of being grateful, this person will always find something to complain about. You ever know anybody like that? Don't raise your hand, but I'll point out a few of them to you. But it's we have them everywhere. In fact, many days we are the ones complaining about things. Well, I just don't like the way that was presented. I don't like that Sunday school teacher, what he said today. I don't like this one because what she said. We're always complaining about something sometimes. The next attitude we see, a third attitude that keeps us from being grateful is carelessness. Someone said that if the stars only came out once a year, we'd stay up all night watching them because they're so beautiful. And because they're so up there so often, we just take them for granted. Isn't that the way we do our Thanksgiving? We know God's blessed us individually, as families, as homes, whatever way you want to look at it. God's blessed us tremendously. But yet because so many blessings, we just take them for granted. And we don't see the beauty in each of them. The Israelites, that was a good example. They grumbled. Remember when they left Egypt and was on the way to the promised land? God had so miraculously sent manna for them to eat, to feed them. They were hungry. They had to be fed. They had to, it was a crust-like bread that every morning they'd get up and they'd go pick it. It was just plentiful. Now, it only lasted one day. They They couldn't save it up the next day, so they had to depend on God for that day every day. And that's exactly what God wants us to do to depend upon Him every single day. That the supply would be there, that the gifts would be there, that the blessings would be there, and so forth. And every day it was there. And they ate. This crust-like bread to cover the ground was all around, except on the Sabbath day. Then they started to grumble because it was the same thing every day. Doesn't that sound like a bunch of Baptists right there? I can't talk about the Methodists or anybody else, but I can talk about Baptists. They had a miracle straight from God every day, but were no longer satisfied. 
Doesn't that sound like a lot of Christian people? It's a picture in the New Testament, of, uh, in the Old Testament for all of us. Because of pride, carelessness, or our critical spirit, we will never truly, we will never truly be thankful for the blessings we have. Because God sends us blessings. Well, but I don't have as much as this one. I don't have as much as this. I wish I had their bank account. I could be happy too. No, you wouldn't. You'd be complaining about that one. It doesn't matter which one it is. They had a miracle. And they got so used to it, they weren't thankful anymore. I don't know about you, but that sounds like America today to me. That we've lost the thankfulness of what we have. We're the greatest nation on earth, and yet we squabble over things that have no bearing on anything. I don't like this one because he said this. I don't like that one because she said that. On and on we can go. We don't realize what God's given this great nation of ours. Rudyard Kipling was a great writer and a poet whose writings we have probably all enjoyed. You may not have known it, but you probably have. Unlike many old writers, Kipling was one of the few who had opportunity to enjoy his success while he lived. He also made a great deal of money in his, in his trade. One time a newspaper reporter came up to him and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the, the money you make from, these, from your writings amounts to over a Hundred million dollars. Now, I don't know if that's right or not. Mr. Keepling raised his head and says, Really? I certainly wasn't aware of that. The reporter, reporter cynically reached down into his pocket, pulled out a $100 bill. He says, Here, Mr. Kipling, now give me one of your $100 words. Mr. Kipling looked at that $100 bill for a moment, took it, folded it in his pocket. Put it in his pocket and said, thanks. That was a, But you know, when we think about it, we have blessings just like that. Maybe somebody doesn't hand you a $100 bill very often, but yet that little word thanks means so much. And we're good at giving thanks. When we go to Walmart or H-E-B or whatever, we tell the person behind the checkout saying, well, thanks, even though they just charge you 10 times more than you shouldn't have, but that's, that's another story. So we say thanks. When we go to a restaurant, well, thanks. But yet that little word is so powerful, so great. He was right. That's a million-dollar word right there, thanks. It can begin to set us on a new course. That word, thanks, is certainly a $100 bill word at least. In fact, I would say it's more like a, a million-dollar word. It's one word that is too seldom heard and too rarely spoken and too often forgotten. Thanks. Now, we're talking about people like us. Can you imagine how it breaks the heart of God Himself when we receive these blessings year after year after year, blessings that we can't even remember all of them, and yet very few times do we, do we return a little word, thank you. Thank you, God, for the blessings you give us. 
our lives would be changed. We would savor each day if we took the time to say thanks to God for all the blessings He gives us. Every minute of the day, we all have the same minutes. We all have the same seconds. Unless He calls you home before that day's over. But every day He gives us the breath we need. Imagine if He would just withhold that breath for two minutes. You wouldn't be here anymore. And yet we overlook the little bitty blessings that we enjoy every single day. How about the steps we take in a day's time? What if He stopped us from walking in those steps for just a few days? If any nation ought to be thankful to God and grateful for His goodness, it ought to be America. If any people in America ought to be thankful to God and grateful for His goodness, it ought to be the Christians. But yet, folks, we as Christians, and I said we, are just as forgetful as everybody else many times. I've got a funny suspicion that that just breaks God's heart when we do that. When He gives us all these things, and yet we never say thankful. You say, well, I don't think about the breaths I take. Well, let Him hold back one or two and you will. I promise you. (laughs) Real quick. Thanksgiving should be expressed. One of the courses we sing, in fact, we sang it this morning, is Psalms 100, enter His gates with thanksgiving in your heart. David says in Psalms 107, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. We should express our thanks to God and others. We call ourselves a family here at Robertson Avenue. How long do you go without speaking to your brothers and sisters in a week's time? We have folks right now that have just come out of hospital stays can't get out and do things. We have members here that can't be here on a regular basis because they've got illnesses. Do we think about them? Some have been members for this church, of this church for long, long before I came here. Some of them I don't even, don't even know. Are we thankful for them? I wonder what a phone call would do sometime to pick up somebody that hadn't been able to be at church in, say, six months. I wonder what a phone call would mean to them that they'd get a phone call and say, hey, we were just thinking about you. I know there's people in here that does that. I'm not going to call their name. They do that on a regular, consistent basis. But what about the rest of us? We say we're a family. This is our brothers and sisters in here, in Christ. And yet, are we concerned about them? Or when we leave these doors, do we just put them out of our mind and next week, oh, yeah, I remember that. Thanksgiving should be expressed. In Luke chapter 17, we read about ten men who had leprosy. And they were healed by Jesus of their leprosy. Out of those ten men, only one came back to thank Jesus for healing them. Now, leprosy was a death disease at the time. It killed you. There was no hope of you getting out of it. It took your life. Ten men had leprosy. Jesus healed all ten of them. You know how many came back to thank God? Just one 
just one out of all those ten that had been healed. They all had leprosy. They had all been healed by Jesus. And one person came back to give thanks. I've often thought, why did they put that story in the Bible? I think it's probably to show that only one out of ten people are really thankful for what God does to for them. They're so busy celebrating and dancing because they escaped leprosy that they forget to go back to the one that caused it to happen. They all went back to their families, I'm sure. They all went back to their homes, different places. They all went back to enjoy their life again because they had been healed. But all but one forgot to go back and thank Jesus for what he had done. Doesn't that sound like a lot of Christian people? Have you ever wondered why Jesus said those words he did? Let me go back a little bit. Let me back up a little bit. That's in Luke chapter 17 about the ten lepers. He was the only one willing to take time and go back and say thank you. Because of that, Jesus said to him, now what's this? This don't even sound like it fits in the story. That just gave you a cap of the story. But here's the, the words that Jesus said. Because of that, Jesus said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. What? I thought the touch of Jesus made him well. Have you ever wondered why Jesus said that? I mean, like the others, the man was already healed the same as the other nine were. He had already been healed of his leprosy. What made him go back? And why did Jesus say those words? His leprosy from the time they went to show himself themselves to the priest. But when Jesus says to this one man, your faith has made you well. He wasn't talking about the physical condition of this man. He was now talking about his spiritual condition. A mental one. He was made whole that day. That's what that man got out of it. We too are made whole by our thanksgiving many times. Psychologists today tell us that, that a sincere gratitude, thanksgiving, is the healthiest of all human emotions. If I can pronounce this name, Hans Selye, that uh, may be close, it may be way off, who is considered the father of stress studies has said that the gratitude produces more positive emotional energy than any other attitude in life. That's amazing. See, isn't it funny how God's Word, science finally gets it sometimes? They finally catch up and say, oh, that's what caused that. And God's sitting up there, I tried to tell you, y'all wouldn't listen. A thankful heart will endure, endear others to us and us to others. For you see, Thanksgiving is not only good for the giver, but it's also good for the receiver. Thanksgiving is just a very special day. God appreciates our Thanksgiving. It lifts Him up and glorifies Him, which is what we're supposed to do anyway. And it just continually benefits us individually. In Romans one twenty one, Paul says this, 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but they but their thinking became futile, and their foolish foolish hearts were darkened. You know who he's speaking to there? Us. Us. Go back and read it. Paul said it. The, this passage seems to imply that people who are ungrateful to God will soon fall away. I don't know. Their hearts will become hardened. Here we see pride keeping people from worshiping God and being thankful. Before we leave this point, that Thanksgiving should be expressed. Let me give you, give you a list of ways that we can say thank you to God. You say thank you to God when, number one, you spend time with Him. Number two, you can say thank, thanks to God when you forgive others. Number three, you can say thanks to God when you serve His church. Number four, you can say thank you to God when you share His plan of salvation. Number five, you can say thank you to God when we reach out to hurting people. Number six, you can say thank you to God when you give your best to God. Number seven, you can say thank you to God when you praise Him enthusiastically from the heart. You know, we, we Baptists, and, and I've been a Baptist for a long time. I wouldn't want to be anything else. But I think we've got one thing wrong. You know, we come into the church and we, we sing our songs, you know, how great thou art, how great thou art. And just mundane. You know, I think sometimes we need to look at some other churches and get some excitement in us. We're singing to God. We're lifting up praises to God. There's nothing wrong with holding your hands. I mean, just enjoy the God's blessings. When we come to this place, it's a house of happiness. It's a house of worship. When you lift up praises to God, you begin to worship. You don't have to run up and down the aisle or jump over the pews or anything else. We're not saying that. I'm just saying we ought to be enjoyable in here. If you could come up here, sometime I'll call a couple of you up here. Look out there. Everybody's sitting there. That's how we do most Sundays. And by the way, when I'm sitting there, that's the way I do too. So just I, I know it. <laughs> but we ought to be Come to church expecting God's blessings. That's what Thanksgiving ought to be. When we come together and thank God for the blessings in our lives. Our Thanksgiving also should be expansive. Not expensive, expansive. As our Thanksgiving expands, it should include three things. Number one, the blessings of life. You know, my wife sitting over there, she's just, she's just a great asset to me. But, you know, sometimes she walks in the sink in the night, at the nighttime, and that sink's full of dirty dishes, and she just sits there and thanks God for those dirty dishes. No, she doesn't. But shouldn't we? God's given us those dishes to eat out of. God's given us something to put in those dishes sometimes. See, we forget about the small things that God's given us. 
that we look at as burdensome. Do you realize that two-thirds of the world would go to, bed, go to bed hungry every night? And we have, probably most of us, more stuff we can keep in our refrigerator and our deep freeze and our, all the other places we keep it. I don't know what they are. We have so much. Probably not a person in this room needs to wonder, what am I going to eat for dinner today? What am I going to fix? I don't have anything to fix. Very few in here would be in that situation. Oh, we may have been at one time or another. Do you realize that in this country, two-thirds of the world has to go to bed hungry every night? Two-thirds. Our prayers are often very general. We say, thank you, God, for all your blessings. Amen. That's our, that's our prayer life. But what blessings are we really thankful for? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Yeah, if we start looking at our blessings and counting each one of them. Oh, but I don't have very much. All I've got is a 1995 car. I need a new car. Well, that one still runs good. Look at the blessings you've got. You've got a roof over your house, over your head. You may have a roof over your house, too, for that matter. But We've got blessings that we get got. I worked for it. I paid for it. I did this. No, you didn't. You don't have a dollar in your pocket that God didn't allow you to have. And God gave you that. And yet we still take our burdens. The burdens of life. Our thanksgiving should also include the burdens of life. This is a tough one. Look at the verse we read a while ago. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Ephesians 5.20 that we read says, Always giving thanks. You may think, surely Paul made a mistake, or even that was an easy for easy way for him to, to say, but it... You know, we can have, go through these hard times, but it wasn't. That's not what he was saying. Paul suffered from some very difficult problems in his life. He called it a thorn in the flesh. Three times he prayed, God, take this away from me. And three times God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. God didn't promise to take away every burden we've got. And yet sometimes it's almost like we get mad at him because he doesn't take it away from us. But he gives us the ability to go through it. Paul suffered from some very difficult problems in his life. To name a few of them, he had been beaten, he had been whipped, he had been in prison three times for something he didn't do, he had been betrayed by his friends, he had been naked, he had been cold, he had been hungry, he had been shipwrecked, he had been stoned almost to death. Because of his faith, yet Paul never stopped giving thanks. Does that sound like us? Paul said several things that really show he had a proper perspective of the burdens of life. In Romans 8, 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us one day. That was Paul's attitude. That's why, for Christ's sake, 
I delighted in weakness, he says, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong, he says. That's Paul writing, and he continues in Philippians 1.12. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You see the attitude Paul had? And we wonder why he was so successful in a time there was no television or radios or anything else. How did he reach across this globe, basically, the globe that was known to him at the time anyway? How did he do that? I mean, that's walking thousands of miles over years. When we, like Paul, have the proper perspective, we can give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, but my, I stumped my toe last night and I can't come to church this morning. I can't worship today because my toe hurts. Now, put that on Paul's back and see if that fits. Paul probably would have walked up to you and said, Get over it, little cup. <laughs> Get with it. Do something. In our weakness, God can make us strong. Isn't those beautiful words? In my weakness, God can make us strong. I never thought I'd say this, but I've learned to be thankful in the difficult situations. I guess that's because I've been through so many of them. I don't know. But I've, I've really, our family has not, has not been a perfect family by any stretch of the imagination. We've had difficulties, and some of them wear on you. You know, I didn't know that when I had kids that I'd be responsible when I was 20 years old. But they are. <laughs> I was. <laughs> but yet, God has brought us through circumstances. And I'm not, please don't think I'm bragging. I mean, <laughs> many times I wanted to give up. We've got to learn the attitude of gratitude and apply it in Jesus. Because some people, you know, yes, we've had some challenges in our life, but I guarantee you some of you probably had twice the challenges. I don't wish it upon anybody, but I'm just saying that's probably what it is. I don't believe that Paul's saying that we ought to be thankful for our problems, but rather he's saying we ought to be thankful in the problems. When something comes up on you, when that diagnosis comes out and it's not a good diagnosis, he doesn't say to be thankful for that diagnosis. He says be thankful in the circumstance, no matter what it is. Understand, others can come to Christ because of your example in the midst of difficult times. And let me wrap up. And Before God, this morning as we close out here in just a moment, our thanksgiving is also a mark of a giving Christian. And I don't mean that the way most of you look at me like I mean. But yes, that's one of the ways. When we realize how much God has done for us and how much the, He continues to do, we should be more than happy to give something back to somebody, to help somebody else. When we go to a restaurant... We're more than happy to give a young lady, young man that's working the restaurant because we don't they don't make a whole lot of money in restaurants. We're so happy to give them maybe a fifteen percent tip after a good service, a good meal, and so forth. But for some reason, many have a problem with giving God ten percent of the blessings He's given to us. 
all the good gifts He has given us. We need to ask ourselves if we're truly thankful. Remember, God loves a cheerful giver. You know what that word really means? If you go look it up, I'll just share it with you. It means that you giggle all the way. You're just so happy that you just start laughing when you bring that tithe and drop of that plate. It just makes you feel so happy. Try it sometimes. It works. A cheerful giver. A happy giver. In fact, I believe God doesn't want us giving with a grudge. Well, this is the last dollar I got. I'm giving it to God. No, you're not. Let's close with this. The last thing we ought to be is a glowing Christian. If you're thankful to God, then you will be glowing. You'll not be constantly critical, pessimistic, eternally. You'll be thankful. Though the difficult times will come, just like it always has, they're not going to break you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter, 4, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, but what on, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Let me close with this little story. Henry Frost was served as one of our missionaries to China some years back. In his journal, he wrote a very difficult time, about a very difficult time in his life. He says, I have received some sad news from home, and deep shadows had covered my soul. I prayed, but the darkness did not vanish. I summoned myself to endure, but the darkness only deepened. Then I went to an island station and saw on the wall of the mission there these words, Try Thanksgiving. I did, and in a moment every shadow was gone not to return. You see what that says? Yes, even in our darkest days. I know some of you are going through trials right now. Don't let it get you down. Try thanksgiving. Try giving God thanks for what you've got. As that song we sing sings, count your blessings one by one. Try it. You can't count them all when you begin to think about it. That's what thanksgiving perspective ought to be. For us as Christians. Why not try Thanksgiving? Let's stand together this morning. Dear, as we, dear God, as we come to close this service, we ask for your blessings today as well as every day. But Lord, we also ask that you remind us of those blessings. That we'd be thankful for each one of them. Lord, thank you for this time of year as we enter the holiday season. And Lord, we know it's a crazy, hectic time of year that we are going into, and Lord, it just seems like it's going to be worse this year than ever. With all the hustle and bustle and all the rush around and all the anxiety and everything else that goes into this time of year, Lord, let us stop and just give thanksgiving for every blessing we have. Lord, you only know the hearts of the people here today. I don't know each one. 
But Lord, I know this, that you're standing waiting for us for anybody that would come to you. There may be somebody here that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, what a great day it would be as we go into Thanksgiving season. Lord, go with us. These next few moments, this is your invitation, your call upon our hearts. We just ask you to be with each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.